0: Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Tammy Kahn. Tammy is a mindfulness and happiness coach, a yoga teacher, and the founder of Happy Meditator. She helps people create a calmer, more mindful, and happier, resilient life. She does this with one-on-one coaching, group classes, and online programs. Her coaching is based on mindfulness techniques, meditation, and scientifically proven strategies. She believes that anybody can create a life of less stress, anxiety, and better balanced emotions. Happy Meditator is her life's dream of creating a place where people can get inspired and get help with creating a happy life that they want. We all have the potential for happiness, and having some guidance in the process can help things fall into place. Tammy also has a bachelor's degree in social work and a master's degree in clinical social work with a specialty in working with adults and the elderly. She's also an experienced mental health counselor, group therapist, and health care manager. She's worked with families, seniors, and people suffering from depression, dementia, affective disorders, schizophrenia, and addiction problems. Tammy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Toby, for having me here. I'm very excited about our interview today.
0: Likewise, likewise. So, I wanna I wanna hear where do you where did you originally even sort of uh, hear about you know meditation or yoga uh, as far as their possible beneficial impact on mental health? Because it sounds like you'd been in the mental health yeah. sphere and then discovered. Uh, you know some of these techniques. So tell me about how, how did that how did that originally come about?
1: Yeah. So basically, um, as as you mentioned from the introduction, I had experience working in mental health and in counseling, from a quite of traditional perspective in terms of, you know, group therapy, working with people, you know, in healthcare, medication, and uh, that sort of traditional perspective, I, I think, of mental health. And then suddenly, um, I came about a challenge in my life. I decided uh, to turn into yoga and meditation as a way to deal with my personal challenge. Suddenly one day I woke up feeling um, extremely dizzy, like literally my world started spinning. And I developed all these uh, physical symptoms that were associated with auditory problems that uh, were affecting my brain deeply. And as a result of coping with all these symptoms, I started uh, suffering from a lot of stress and anxiety. I knew from my clinical background that I was not uh, mentally depressed, but the the doctors were only giving me options in terms of medication, and I didn't want to go through that route. So I decided to turn into uh, meditation uh, initially, and then yoga. And uh, initially, obviously, my, my, my interest in yoga was to help me cope with the balance. But then I realized that it was such a powerful tool with the combination of meditation that completely changed my life, my stress and anxiety very quickly. And I decided to steer my career into teaching more uh, people the self-help tools that I developed to, to work with my own problems.
0: Got it. So tell me about what what, uh, what did you notice when you started, uh, you know, both the meditation and, and the yoga practice as far as just what what started changing?
1: Yeah, one of the uh, most severe symptoms that I was having was this uh, constant of movement inside my, my brain. It had to do with uh, the symptoms that were triggering problems with my auditory system. You're a brain guy, so you know possibly what I'm talking about and uh, this constant perception of everything spinning and moving around you. As a result, this was triggering uh, a lot, the stress response in my body and raising my anxiety and sensations of panic. So the first thing that I noticed as soon as I um, learned postures, that I could focus my spine, keep that uh, sense of balance and stillness in my body, I was able to reduce that stress response in my brain. So it all started with literally training my body to kind of tell my mind, it's okay, we're, we're sensing stillness through this pose. Let's disengage that panic, anxious response in the brain. And um, another important uh, aspect that I noticed straight away uh, with um, meditation, is that a lot of the practices that we learn in meditation, they're about perception and creating a sense of awareness of the changes that are happening physically and mentally in the body. And that was something that I have never, ever done in my life, really deeply increased that self-awareness. And that was literally life-changing for me.
0: Okay. And... Uh, So when you started noticing that, uh, as far as the benefits within yourself, how, how did you start integrating it into your, uh, uh, I guess, at the time, at the time, what were you doing uh, career wise in the mental health field?
1: Yeah, well, at the time, I was actually taking a break. Um, I, I had my, my daughter. And uh, my daughter uh, was not the sort of child that I wanted to put in in childcare. She was really, very attached. So I kind of took a break when I had her. And uh, I decided with all these things that started happening, that that was a perfect shift for me to, to change and, and not wanting to go back again to mental health care. and and traditional systems. So I decided to start to teach meditation. I train um, in meditation practices. So that was the the first thing I did. And straight away, I I started spreading the the word and doing training and classes. And that was kind of the first step. Then I decided to um, train as a yoga teacher. And I added then the the sort of integration of, of both fields
0: so when it comes to, to teaching meditation I think that's something that you know probably a lot of my listeners you know they probably tried to meditate maybe a lot of them do meditate on a regular basis but tell me about just there's what are what are some of the misconceptions as far as people have in terms of learning to meditate and what are you know maybe some of the simple tips that you uh, that you advise for kind of beginner meditators
1: yeah I think the first thing um, I tend to quickly catch up when I, when I hear people that struggle to meditate is that they have set an expectation that meditation is uh, a blissful practice. And the reality is that in meditation, you sit with your mind and uh, the craziness that, are, that is going on inside your head. And that is not a blissful, <laughs> peaceful experience at all for most people. Basically, when we sit in meditation, we realize the the sort of thoughts, beliefs, and all sorts of things that are constantly going on in our heads that we are not aware of. One of the uh, concepts that I I like to introduce to people when they're starting a meditation practice is the idea of rumination. Rumination basically is when our mind gets pulled in different directions, we don't have a sense of control of, of our thoughts. Most of the time, uh, our rumination tends to be about negative things due to the, uh, ner- the, the way our brain works, how our central nervous system works. So it is very common for people when they sit in meditation uh, as beginners that they feel this is not working, this is worse. <laughs> I'm feeling more obsessed, I'm more, more upset, more frustrated. And that is just part of the process to to retrain your mind, to understand the, the craziness that that is uh, going through our, our heads all the time. A second aspect that I think people um, find when they're starting meditation is that they decide that they suddenly uh, want to meditate for 20 minutes and they start with that straight away and that could seem kind of uh very difficult because they're not used to sitting uh, in a posture of stillness looking at their minds and what's going on in their mental activity so usually i advise people to start small start with mini steps of simply connecting with, with a with a practice for three to five minutes or even less. The important thing at the beginning um, is consistency. And thirdly, and, and I find this uh, for people that uh, struggle the most with um, staying consistent in the meditation, if you're a person that Struggles or not struggles uh, tends to be a perfectionist, or want things to always be correct, right, and perfect. Uh, I find that seems to be a kind of a personality trait that uh, affects a lot of people when they start a meditation practice, because part of what we learn in meditation is the art of letting go. Our mind pulls us in one direction. We let go of that direction and we win back to whatever was the focus of our training. So I find the, those three um, aspects are, are very critical for a lot of beginning meditators.
0: Okay. And is that something that the art of letting go, I want to I focus on that as far as, mm-hmm. is that something that, that you find is a conscious process that, that people need to take? Or is that something that like the more they meditate, kind of the better they become at just kind of like letting, letting those thoughts kind of arise and then pass?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Uh, one aspect that we need to understand is that our nervous system has been conditioned to act at a certain way. And what we're doing in meditation is try to change how our survival mode gets triggered in the brain. So we are looking to retrain our mind to do something that is not used to doing unless you you do some other uh, type of focus practice. One important aspect that I see um, when you were mentioning about the art of, of letting go is that a lot of the times we are not consciously doing this unless we sit in a practice of meditation. So in meditation, you're going to be conscious of that aspect of letting go. But at the same time we're doing this, we're going to be looking to create new neuropaths, new uh, ways of your brain to connect in a different way, who start to teach the brain how to relate to the world and to the thoughts in a different way. And that's also uh, something that happens with long-term meditators. That is something we're not consciously doing, it's just the brain is learning a new type of mind training.
0: I see. So tell me about, as far as, with the different mental health conditions out there, Mm -hmm. um, what do we know as far as, what does the research say? What have you found in your experience as far as how, uh, you know, meditation or yoga can can impact and potentially uh, provide benefits to these uh, to the symptoms of these different conditions.
1: There's some wonderful, fantastic pieces of research that I have have come out in the last ten years, and they still are coming a lot. I'm, I'm learning on a weekly basis uh i'm kind of a a research nerd uh, in that sense i'm always looking for new um, things that i could spread the word more of people to persuade them more to engage in this type of practices and now we know I can't think of uh, not a mental health condition that has been proven somehow to be benefited by uh, yoga and meditation. An important component uh, that I think uh, it, all these uh, interest in these practices came from when um, science and psychology and, and neurology started to look at well-being from a different perspective. And they decided instead of studying illness, let's just study the brains of people that seem to be happy, that seem to have better mental balance, that have more resilience, that uh, don't suffer from all these uh, mental health problems that we seem to be growing and having more in, in in, in our society these days. So let's look at the people that their brains look optimal. And obviously when, when they started to look into these brains, we, they decided to look into the brains of long-term meditators, into yogis, into contemplative uh, practices, people that used to do contemplative practices like nuns and people who experience a lot of focused type of mind training. And they realized that we could do a lot of things to help people train their minds and their bodies into these practices. And uh, there's plenty of research that supports the the changes in depression, post-traumatic stress disorders, uh, anxiety disorders, stress reduction. And going even further, um, there's also a lot of benefits that have been proven now with physical uh, health conditions. People that suffer from um, immune diseases, Arthritis, diabetes, chronic uh, pain conditions—you uh, you name it. Uh, a lot of the high top uh, health conditions for mental problems and physical problems have been getting a lot of benefits from uh, putting all this uh, research uh, into practice behind yoga and meditation.
0: Awesome. When it when it comes to the specific types of meditation. Uh, that have like the the most research is it more sort of like I know like there's the the mindfulness like the mindfulness based stress reduction program mm-hmm. uh, that has been very well studied is it, uh, is it mostly that or is there other forms of meditation and, and I guess the second kind of question
1: mm-hmm.
0: on that is are there uh, certain types of meditation that work better for different conditions
1: yes well, the answer uh, is, is yes. <laughs> um, there's very, this kind of a diverse field when it comes to meditation. The most well-known practices are, I think right now mindfulness-based training, and there's substantial amount of research in mindfulness-based training. Basically, these are uh, exercises that you that you focus your mind in one single point. But there is now uh, an evolving field that has looked into different types of meditation. There's uh, Yoga Nidra, which is one of the ones um, I'm trained also in, which is more of a this sort of layered practice that you build based on the philosophy of yoga. And that one also has pretty good substantial research to back it up. There's also. Um, done uh, research in vipassana which is a, another variation of body sensing practice and the other um, a new field that has been getting a lot of attention lately is our compass- compassion compassion-based training so practices like loving kindness meditation and compassion type of practices have been getting a lot of attention and the second aspect of your question yes depending on on the field that you're looking at with the benefits, there's more, um, I'll say, from the research that I've been looking at in the last 10 years, um, more influence when it comes to mental health from the perspective of yoga nidra, uh, mindfulness-based practices, and compassion training. So in, in that aspect, all those work well, But there are certain um, fields that work in in meditation with breath work, and those have been uh, very highlighted to help people that experience post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorders, to gain a lot of benefit. And finally, another piece uh, that I wanted to share with you when it comes to compassion-based training. Now there's A growing interest in this practice because a lot of it is being applied to the workplace or to community settings or for uh, changing, uh, developing strategies to work with social problems like racism or crime. So there's also a, another aspect with compassion-based practices that now um, is becoming very, very well known by different sectors of society.
0: Awesome. So tell me about uh, the uh, your business now. I'm Happy Meditator. Tell me about the, the origins of that and uh, what what exactly that you are, uh, that you hope to do um, with the business?
1: Yeah. So um, right now I'm providing uh, services individually to groups and to uh, remote teams. So I'm trying to spread the word as much as I can to uh, not only help the individuals and help uh, groups and, and society as well. One of the things I do with the programs I create, and when I work one to one, is that I'm integrating the best of the research that is out there. So, my um, meditation programs, mindfulness uh, at work uh, programs, are, are designed to not only look at one perspective in meditation, I'm looking to help people make meditation a practice that they can bring to work that they can bring to their relationships, that they can bring to better their lives, to build more resilience and more happiness. So I'm trying to integrate a lot of the aspect that we have talked about uh, that comes with the research that go beyond just practicing meditation. It's about integrating and making all these things work for your life and building the life that you you want to have.
0: Okay. So you, you spend a lot of time kind of pouring through the, the research?
1: Yes, yes, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm a research nerd and um, I've been uh, taking courses with uh, University of Berkeley, Harvard, um, Stanford that are all bringing uh, great integrative programs that are looking at the best research out there. So it's not only about practicing meditation and practicing yoga. It's also about applying principles from positive psychology to really work on retraining your mind and your body.
0: Okay. Tell me about some of those principles.
1: Yeah. Well, basically, when when we're looking now at... uh, establishing mental resilience for individuals, which is usually the main problem why people come to these practices. Now we know that all these philosophies from the East around compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, uh, building concentration, mind training, and integrating mind-body are essential for building mental resilience. So when we look at or when someone, let's say, comes to me and and explains to me uh, the difficulties that they're having, the first thing we need to look at, what are your strengths? We focus on building more of those strengths and integrating all these principles around mindfulness, compassion, gratitude, positive psychology to really put them into practice in your life, to retrain not only your mind, but the way you think. It it is important for for anybody that is looking to improve their lives to focus on a growth mindset. And there's so much research now that is coming uh, around this perspective of retraining how we feel of ourselves, how we uh, grow more positive beliefs and integrating um, as well uh, here, because I know you're into neurochemistry, um, integrating practice on a daily basis that help our bodies chemically. So it's about doing more things that we know that push hormones in our body that help us build more mental resilience and uh, be more happy.
0: I'd love to talk about that. Tell me about like, the kind of the, the neurochemistry of yes. meditation or yoga. Like, what do we yes. know as far as what does the research say as far as mm-hmm. what's going on? You know, maybe we could talk about both like kind of the brain waves, the electrical side of things, along with uh, what's going on chemically with the, yeah. with the neurotransmitters.
1: Well, I, I know this is your field, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to you from the perspective of, of how I understand these things from a from a nerdy uh, sort of person who's into these things. So that one of the first things that I have loved uh, so much uh, research that has come up right now um, about what we are calling the happiness chemicals. So we all know uh, for happiness, the people that are uh, more uh, mentally balanced. There's this sort of um, cocktail of hormones that we need to have in our body. We're looking at, you know, oxytocin, endorphins, uh, and promoting not only the, the good chemicals, we also want to reduce uh, hormones in our body, like cortisol, which promote inflammation and, and promote, now we know, illness in the body and all sorts of uh, other other problems. So the happiness chemicals are important for us to take those into account, how we balance our lives. So we need to have situations in our lives that involve overcoming um, fears, working with strengths. We need to um, be connected and engage more socially to push oxytocin in, in, in our bodies. And we also need to look at uh, other aspects when it comes to to what we physically do that also push all these good hormones in our body. A second important aspect when it comes to when we do yoga, just to see the practical side of, of changing our chemistry. We all know when you practice yoga that you're put into very uncomfortable positions, right? their positions that are uh, triggering could trigger fear could trigger balance problems could trigger uh, physical discomfort and in yoga part of the experience is that you stay there with the discomfort and now we know that this is a great way that we could uh, add more endorphins to the body to push through a situation of difficulty So we're doing this in an environment that is safe in a yoga practice, which is ideal as well to help our bodies reduce that stress response and go more into that sort of calming response, which is how we can retrain our minds to uh, reduce stress and anxiety. So
0: the increased endorphins, that definitely makes sense as far as why people would notice like a reduction in like what we were talking about earlier with like pain and I think you're saying mm-hmm. like arthritis and stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the, the mechanisms mm-hmm. as far as because that's kind of our body's from my understanding, I mean, endorphins are kind of our body's natural uh, pain relievers, right?
1: Yes. So th- that is something um, that, that is key to endorphins uh, and yoga. Also, when it comes to the perspective of meditation, meditation, there are specific uh, programs. And uh, a few years ago, I I worked with a group of elderly uh, women who had chronic pain. And we use meditation as that strategy to build those endorphins and stay with the discomfort of the pain. So that's also another very practical tool that meditation can help us. The second aspect of it, when we are staying in the meditation practice, when we're in discomfort, we can use specific techniques with the breath that induce in the brain changing gears from the fear response from the amygdala and moving it to a calming response, which is key, especially for people that suffer from chronic pain because their, their bodies tend to stay more in that stress response, body tension, and promote inflammation. So this is also an, another very positive uh, practical side, if you want to see the science be, behind um, helping people reduce chronic pain by using meditation.
0: Okay. What else do we know about what's going on in the, in the body and brain um, during meditation?
1: Yes. Another important aspect that I, I, I love to, to share, and actually I created a, a PDF on, on my website, is sleep. And we, we all know uh, what happens, well, you, you're very familiar with what, what happens in terms of how the brain needs to start to change gears in terms of waves and mental activity to promote sleep. We know now that people that suffer from chronic uh, health problems, stress, anxiety, and mental problems tend to be more easily aroused mentally, and this as a result has an impact on the brain. So these people have a harder time, a lot of the times going to sleep or staying asleep because their, their brain is more trained to stay aroused. So we can use meditation as a way to train the brain and train the, the body to reduce that uh, arousal state and promote more the calming response in the body that is what you want before going to sleep. So practices of breath work and meditation before going to sleep uh, could have a very productive impact on increasing the, the quality of your sleep. But also we know from the research that consistent meditators will improve their sleep. And it is all connected to again uh, training the the brain uh, with all these all these tools.
0: Awesome. Okay. So tell me about kind of what what uh in terms of the the say the future of meditation or yoga in terms of in terms of integrating it you know into more kind of our like uh, I guess society uh, Western society I guess for lack of a better word or lack of a better term uh, i mean it seems like something that's definitely has risen to prominence you know Mm maybe i don't know within that past it seems like five years there's just been kind of this surge of of uh, uh i guess yoga studios meditation places popping up along with just you know public interest in it where where do you kind of see it going in the future like and and then i guess the other question i have on that is Do you uh, pay any attention to like maybe more of the the sort of like high tech uh, neuromodulation techniques such as like uh, neurofeedback or transcranial stimulation? Does any of that stuff interest you?
1: Yeah. Um, actually I, I know a little bit, uh, about those fields. Um, because some years ago, um, I used to work in, um, in a mental health hospital that they used to actually use delivering uh, electric charges to the brain to promote uh, better mental health and shake out people out of depression. So, um, wh- one of the interesting things that uh, we are seeing now is all this explosion of research that is not only about the individual benefits of yoga and meditation, but how can we spread this to help with social problems, bigger problems in, in, in the society and also to the workplace and in leadership so we're seeing now companies that are investing uh, a lot of money and efforts to bring all these practices to their workforce, to their leaders, because we know that uh, mindful leaders, more compassionate uh, leaders and and productivity at the workplace are deeply related to all these things. So we're looking now as well, uh, a lot of studies when it comes to emotional regulation and emotional intelligence that are getting a lot of people really interested more in this practice. So I think all this is gonna keep growing and growing and growing. The this other uh, important I think, uh, thing to acknowledge with all these research that are coming out is that all these practices are secular practices that we're spreading. So I think uh, initially, years ago, people were afraid of all these practices because they would see them as woo-woo stuff or, or, or things that felt like uh, interfere with their beliefs or they were not really actual things that would change their lives. So the, the growing piece of research is helping change perspective about adding these things. Right now with our global pandemic, all the social difficulties people are dealing with right now, people are turning into new things to help them de-stress, calm down, and improve their sleep, deal better with, with their... With the, there's social situations. So I think, uh, the pandemic actually has helped get more people interested in, in a, in a lot of these practices. And, um, remind me of the second part of your question. I kind of <laughs> got too oh, excited. As far there. As,
0: yeah. As far as like with, uh, like neurotechnologies, such as neurofeedback yes. or yes. transcranial stimulation, like yes. those are kind of, uh, the way I see them are kind of like offshoots of meditation. So do you, yeah, do you pay any attention to to those technologies the research?
1: Um, I I do pay attention to the research that is coming out. Um, There is some new tools that have been looking into making these uh, perspectives more accessible to individuals. So there's different uh, gadgets that you can use now to kind of monitor uh, the physical response that you're having in your body. Uh, Specifically, they're looking mostly the ones that I have seen uh, around um, heartbeat, breathing rate, uh, and try to get you to get into specific zones. So we know in those zones, you're going to change your brain waves, you're going to have all these sort of hormones and, and physical changes to promote the calming response in the body. So I, I think there's a lot of people that, um, that maybe are more prone to evidence-based practices. So I think there's a growing field um, that some companies are investing money in developing these tools to, to do this. Personally, i um, I think part of what I have learned through these years, as we mentioned earlier, is the art of letting go. And I, I, don't, um, I don't see myself getting into these type of practices that go so deeply into measuring the, the body response because I think that's an element of us trying to still control everything and staying into that sort of control um, mentality. But uh, I see that they could serve a, a big part of the population that um, might find them very useful in that sense.
0: Great, great. Well, how about, uh, do you have any like kind of anecdotal stories as far as I was going to ask in terms of different uh, you know, patients or I guess clients uh, mm-hmm. that you've worked with, you know say that, that have been dealing with some kind of uh, you know, mental disorder, uh, and how if you could kind of walk me through exactly like how the implementation of a meditation or yoga practice has actually you know changed their their symptomatology and and kind of uh, altered I guess the course of their their uh, disorder.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it is very common uh, for individuals that come to be for coaching that they're coming to meditation and, and to yoga because they are frustrated with traditional uh, services in mental health. There's a lot of people who have been years in, in counseling and in therapy in medication. Some of them have even developed addiction problems uh, as a result of not being able to deal with their mental problems. And alcoholism is one I see uh, frequently. And uh, once I explain to people, you know, the reasons why we want to do this practice behind the, the research and the mind training, and people are able to adapt them and consistently do them. I see how their minds and how their stress and how things start to shift very quickly. So once, we get into that point that people establish a consistent meditation practice. I'll say usually these um, might take for them to really start to experience the benefits, two two to three months. Then we can move into what are the strategies we want to apply to creating that sort of mental balance. So we talked earlier about those happiness chemicals, emotional intelligence, and and looking at at the workplace and other things but what i see it's critical as the first step is for people to really get into meditation and a practice that is daily and consistent so it's almost like we need to reduce that mental activity for people to have some clarity and then that sense of clarity helps them move forward with other things that they want to change in their lives
0: so it sounds like kind of the the first step being sort of getting them out of that just fight or flight and and into these deeper states where they can they can find more clarity
1: yeah yeah meditation is is the pillar for me for everything and yoga it's a way to extend meditation a lot of people see yoga as only a physical practice. And the reality is that yoga was created as a first step to meditation. So what we're doing in yoga, it's preparing the body, starting to center the mind with the movements and the breath. So then we can have a meditation practice. So it's all geared towards ending with meditation, and then from meditation, then you begin to work with other principles in yoga that involve self-discovery, self-help, spirituality, uh, as well as as one another important aspect. So it, it is important that if we can do meditation, but also we can add other practices in our day, to keep reminding our brain to go to that calming response are also extremely beneficial for people that are suffering from mental health problems and addiction problems.
0: Got it. Awesome, well, uh, Tammy, I really enjoyed our conversation today. If uh, people wanna find out more about uh, what you're doing with Happy Meditator, where would you direct them to?
1: Yes, uh, well, you can find me on the Happy, Meditor, Happy Meditator on everything uh, on Instagram, Facebook, um, and, and LinkedIn. Um, and also, my website is happymeditator.com. So, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, uh, just find me as Happy Meditator everywhere.
0: Great. And for those listeners who enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel or Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. You can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else that audio podcasts are available. Uh, Tammy, again, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a real pleasure having you on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely.